welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 173 for your playbooks. Um, I'm Aaron, and as with me as always is Dave and Fredo, the other members of the Who Dat Jedi Council. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Doing okay, doing okay. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad over here. Um, so, um, got some Halloween decorations out, so that's making me feel good. I like Halloween. Um, and uh, Britt said the skeleton house is getting partially put together on St. Charles, so mm-hmm. uh, we just live in the best town for Halloween. I passed the Ghost Manor the other day, heading to Bromart Magazine. Looks wonderful, and this was during the day, so... I'm sure they're ready to have everybody just so he's, uh, he's going, traffic on magazine. So he is going through with it then. He was considering um, mm. not. Not to, No, no. It's all decked out. It's all decked out. All the fixings, all the trimmings are out. Now, like I said, this was still daylight outside. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm sure when you go at night, all the accoutrements and experience double. So but but. it's good. It's nice that, you know, you're getting Halloween, you're getting all the fun stuff. Yep. Dave, you a big Halloween fan? I mean, yeah, they, uh, more so since I became a parent. Um, it, it, this is the kind of thing that I was encouraged to grow out of, I think, um, when I was younger, and so I did. And then I just didn't see the point eventually, and then, and then, and then it got rekindled when I became a dad. So I, I like it now. See, I like uh, the, I mean, we have kids in the neighborhood and, you know, I like the reaction that my, that the kids and my neighbors have to the decorations that we have. And it, that's what's fun. That's what's fun. So I, I tend to, yeah, I tend to think of Halloween a lot like Carnival, Mardi Gras, uh, in, in the way in which you kind of have and flow with it. You know, when you're a little kid, it's all about the getting of the goodies and, you know, the, how long can you go about it? And then you kind of, oh, I'm too old for that. And then you have your kind of young adult, well, we can get costumed up and act ridiculous. It becomes an excuse to go out and drink. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then you grow out of that and then you become a parent or an adult. And now it's more about passing on all the fun of it to other people and just having a good time. And you can still go out and drink. (laughs) Yes. Actually, in some ways, it's recommended. You go, as the kids go getting more and more candy, you just drink. That's the best part about Halloween down here, actually. It is socially acceptable to have a drink in your hand while you're out trick-or-treating. So, uh, by the way, okay, so not to be, not to, I mean, yes, Halloween's at the end of the month, but also going on is Oktoberfest. Went out to Foberg uh, for their Oktoberfest thing this past weekend, and it was the weirdest thing ever. They didn't have any live music on the day that we were there. Um, They just were piping through, imagine, like, all 80s and 90s music um but in german so 99 love balloons oh that was in the mix but i'm talking like every other you know every other one that you want it's it was absolutely bizarre so see see, see now i'm trying to think how does how does do you remember chumbawamba's tub thumping how does that sound in german because I think that would work work well in German. Well, that'll be for another podcast. Uh, if we ever <laughs> if we ever get a Patreon, that's what we'll do is uh, 
weird German renditions, but... Uh, um, you can translate, you can perform. Tonight, we're going to talk about episode seven of Ahsoka um, and uh, kind of go through uh, how we thought of that episode. Just one more episode left. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Fredo, we got any news? There is one little big bit of things that everybody's probably heard about. Well, the good news, I mean, if you mean the good news, the good news is that an agreement has been reached between the Writers Guild of America and the American Motion Picture and BTP, the, the studio. So long story short, basically the writers got the bulk of what they were after, i.e. Uh, guarantees on a certain number of writers per writer room, better residuals uh, for both uh, live TV and streaming a better understanding or better openness from the streamers about how they're measuring views and uh, certain concessions and protections regarding usage of AI. Because I think that's one of the big ones for them going forward, which ideally will also be in whatever deal SAG-AFTRA comes up with with the the studios because they're still striking. So the writers are still, uh, are off this... uh, of the street, they're back at work. Uh, you should see uh, stuff like the Stephen Colbert show, the, the late night and morning talk shows. Those will be the first visual that, they, that they've come back. Uh, but the scripted shows, those more likely will still be delayed just because, well, you need actors and they're still on the picket lines. Yeah. It's a process. And by, well, so that, that's our only news item, right? I mean, uh, and by the way, I, I realized that I skipped over our normal uh, rotation mm-hmm. of things. I skipped over trivia. So let's let's bop over to trivia here real quick. It's been a day, guys. Um, so, da, 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 da. all right. Um, let me get my old man glasses on. Um, by the way, I do want to say before I get into trivia, we had some interaction on Twitter. Uh, thank you to the people who have been saying they listen to the podcast and talking about the uh, uh, topics that we're talking about. Um, yeah, and I, I do want a, a little bit of an errata here. Um, I said that the uh, witches were named similarly or after the muses. That was a misspeak. I meant the fates. Um, and also, I did not really mean to say that the Purgle were using the force to travel hyperspace, but they said the first hyperspace travelers were had to use the force because that's the only way they could navigate those lanes. Anyway, so a little bit of an errata. Um, so with that, but thank you for again for engaging. It was like it was fun and nobody was yelling at me. It was neat. Um, so it was nice internet. All right. So to trivia, um, Dave, the first one I look at, how many life forms do Death Star technicians detect aboard the Falcon during their first scan? How many life forms do Death Star technicians detect aboard the Falcon during their first scan? The first scan turns up no life forms. Zero is the answer. You are correct. Yeah, you are correct. You know, I remember that. I think that was the first time that I was ever introduced to the concept of a like a smuggling hatch. And now, like I, I if you had, do you have you ever had one in your car that is like 
if there's like a form a car that I had had like one that was kind of um, built in underneath the the rear uh, like the foot area of the back seat. So it was just a little oh. compartment. They could put like jumper cables or whatever in there, but it was just like, yeah. Or illegal narcotics. No, but anyway. Um, all right, with with that, shh, Dave. Um, Fredo, who does Han ask, aren't you afraid the Empire is going to find out about this little operation? And can you finish the sentence? Okay, the finish the sentence. Shut you down? Yeah, it should be uh, shut you down. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, it would, that would be the the master of a thousand capes, uh, Mr. Lando Calrissian himself. And that's the answer is Lando. Da, 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 da. All right. To my question, what characters described in George Lucas's original notes as like Bogart freelance tough guy for hire? Well, this is interesting. What characters described in George Lucas's original notes as like Bogart, freelance, tough guy for hire? I'm going to say Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's Han Solo. I was yeah. I was starting to you know, go towards <laughs> Boba Fett, but he doesn't really look like Bogart. So, all right. Um, so since we kind of got out of out of whack there, any other news for anything? Oh, by the way, I do want to say Fan Expo. Um, released a couple more fan expo new orleans released a couple more celebrity guests um oh gosh i just lost the names now um vincent d'onofrio mm -hmm. and um uh Danny Trejo, charlie cox yes the guy two well vincent d'onofrio from daredevil and the other guys from daredevil as well right yep, charlie cox daredevil so, and stardom yeah um so yeah so that's uh there you go um uh, of course i would uh Probably the thing I remember Vincent D'Onofrio from is full melt jacket. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's a small role, but it's kind of vital and kind of memorable. Just <laughs> I don't know I don't know what you get him to sign for that. Holy crap! Talk about the tale of two movies. It's like mm -hmm. that's a movie where it's like it, it, I don't know, it's it's like somebody else took over the second half of it because it's I really like the first half and mm -hmm. the second half I don't like at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, so. it's one of those movies that Stanley Kubrick did where it's very much, I mean, you could see the influences and you could see the, it's, I don't want to call it nihilistic, but it's very feudalistic. Like, yeah. like you feel the futility of war. So uh, regarding news, it's not so much news, but uh, we mentioned a few weeks back that from a certain point of view was coming out uh, for Return of the Jedi. And uh, just to mention real quick, as Dave tries to look away, uh, the space music uh, that we all know and love, maybe changing the name, like it's now referred to in that book as Jats, J-A-T-Z, as opposed to its original name, which might get McClunkied out of existence uh, if we kept saying it. McClunkied. But if we say it in that context, then we're not saying anything bad. Um, I do want to say it's kind of yeah. interesting because jazz was originally jazz, G-A-S-S. -S. Mm -hmm. um, and it got switched to, to jazz. And then for some reason, George Lucas decided to change the, uh, the vowel. Um, and I, I will tell you that in 19, whatever that was, when I was in, that was not a word in my vernacular 
um, until later in life. And it was one of those things where I realized like, that's really disturbing. Um, so <laughs> much the same, much the same way as a princess Leia in that golden bikini meant nothing to you as a six-year-old, but meant the world to you as a third-year-old. Sorry, McClunky, yeah. that out, dude. I was ten, so that meant everything to me. That was just <laughs> that's fun. what I mean to say. Um, that's what I mean to say. Three years younger, that's sailing over your head. I wasn't. I wasn't six. Like, ah. <laughs> so. I knew I knew something was up there, um, but anyway. Up there or down there? Of course it was. <laughs> so anyway, um, <sighs> with that, Ahsoka. I mean, okay, so I, I just do want to give just give your elevator pitch just around the horn. Um, you don't have to go into all the things, but I mean, I'll just I'll read to you what I messaged you guys because um, Dave sent us one, and then I I don't I think you were you were being facetious mm-hmm. with your message, weren't you, Dave? I, I don't. I wouldn't say I was being okay. facetious. I, it is one of the most legitimate critiques I've seen so far, but I still was a little baffled by it. Ultimately, so, so mine, mine was um, it was fun, but didn't move the story forward. Right, and we'll talk into why all that is. But I mean, it, there was a lot of cool stuff. I enjoyed it, um, but it did nothing to move the the story forward. Um, really and um i know we'll get into you know we needed to get the you know the players in the right you know squares on the chessboard but i think there could have been some things every other episode has done something to move the story forward and make you um you know feel like you were moving forward and this one just didn't um so dave since you already kind of started a little bit just your elevator pitch um yeah probably my least favorite episode maybe to this point um and not and, saying it was bad it was just it, it's just yeah and why i, I kind of referred to this briefly when um we we, we had our group messages going and we, I, I i mentioned that somebody wrote a uh, critique on the show and they said they have a problem with the lack of cutting between characters and they found that that was uh an issue as far as like forward momentum and pacing and these sorts of things right um that was his take um i i don't know we sort of danced around that as, as a basic idea but then we get to this show this episode and they cut a bunch, <laughs> a bunch. and they cut back and forth and I liked it less. Um, so, uh, you know, like, uh, it's fine. But I had the classic Aaron response, which was, 
I feel like there's a lot to do still in the final episode. And why are we not doing a better job of setting the table here? We'll, we'll get to Aaron's rant, you know, on that because it's, it's not just a star Wars thing. It just seems to be part of the Disney plus playbook right now. Um, but, um, I also do wonder before we get to Fredo here, it's, I, I wonder when they put this together, I mean, obviously, I mean, this, this is not, um, we talked about it. It's not episodic. This is one long movie that they just have are hacking into eight pieces, you know? So those, those lack of cutaways, they happen. It's called the next episode, you know? Um, so it is, it's, as we look at it, I mean, if you, yeah, it's tough. It's tough how you how you absorb this content because it's not. It looks a lot like a movie, but it's not a movie. It's on your TV, but it's not really a TV show. Fredo, what was your what was your take on the whole thing? I mean, overall, I, mean, I like the episode. I like what we saw. The interactions were enjoyable. Part of me did begin to wonder, kind of where you're going to go ranking, which is uh, this still feels like it feels like. This is the episode we should have gotten last week, or maybe, or maybe that there should be one more episode after this. Is this still? I mean, they're still introducing uh, actions and plot ideas into this story. Now that leads me to a couple of conclusions: either we're not going to get everything resolved by next week's episode; there's going to be a cliffhanger or two along the way, or some stuff just kind of fall by the wayside by the resolution, which I don't know that's necessarily the most appealing. But again, overall, in and of itself, the episode I thought was fine. I am, you know, I am kind of worried about how the story is going to land, you know, how they're going to land all these various elements in succession next week, because I don't think we've heard that next week is any extra length episode. So just be ready to have a few questions after, after next week's episode is done. So, um, all right. So we, we start the episode with, um, it's, it's Hera on, on trial, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's the Senate committee tribunal, whatever, you know, um, saying they want to court martial her, uh, to, um, you know, because she ignored orders. I, I will say again, I, every, every episode that has Hera, um, I'm more sold on the portrayal the of Mary Elizabeth Winslet, yeah. I mean, I just think, I'm, which makes me wonder if it was just written poorly at the beginning. Um, but every time I see her, it's like, yeah, that's Hera. Because he, I loved I loved the quips of, no, I wasn't ignoring orders. I was ignoring you. Or I, was, I wasn't protecting by ignoring orders. I protected them by ignoring you. You know, I loved that interaction with, with her and Ziono. Um but uh yeah it's i will say however before we get to the cameo that's in this um i mean there's several things in this scene that i like i love it when chopper gets all mad because you know he says you know a derogatory thing about a droid and carson tava has to hold him back you know because chopper is going to go all chopper i loved all that the scene was great but the scene was absolutely totally useless to this whole story it didn't tell us anything that we didn't get prior because the the cameo that is and 
and it was we get c-3po coming in as uh and it's anthony daniels as the voice and he's coming in as senator leia organa's um uh messenger basically a representative um, and basically has leia saying that no i sanctioned Hera's, you know thing and so let her off the hook um like i said everything about this scene i liked but none of it it gets to my earlier point none of it moved the story forward because we already knew that leia was covering for Hera. we already knew that you know we already had that interaction with all the senators and um mon mothma and Hera in like the second episode this it was a rehash of that it was a re- so yeah i mean like i said as cool as everything was it was pointless uh, to, to me and dave can probably answer this better because he's read a number of the post uh return of the jedi books we know from what we see in the sequel trilogy that leia is the one that's still kind of keeping her eye out on the potential of the return of the empire so the idea that she would be keeping a tab on hey somebody's mentioning the return of Thrawn. now let us recall leia knows hera knows Ezra knows the crew of the ghosts because they helped her or she helped them during rebels so but that idea that you know i guess it's bringing that idea from those books and the sequel movies into this point in the story but just for the, I mean, it's nice seeing to see three people, but you know, besides that, I'm not sure that it needed to be repeated. But they, but they mentioned, point. like I said, but they mentioned that a couple episodes ago, where Carson mm-hmm. Davis said, you know, Senator Organa can only give you so much. Says she can only give so much cover, so we know she's doing mm-hmm. that already. But Dave, I don't mm-hmm. know what you what what was your thoughts? Yeah, just continuation of that theme. Um, so it's it's a nice thing for people who've read the books. Uh, it's a nice thing for fans of c3po um it's a nice thing for anthony daniels um beyond that not so much he doesn't give you a lot you know it's Um, it's it's like when we you see some of the we all get you know geeked out over deleted scenes on dvds but ends up being like just there's that scene still ends up or those words still end up in the movie just in a different package and so you know, it's like, it's neat to see, but it didn't, you know, you can see why they left it out. And so I, this would have been something that leave this on the cutting room floor and give me, you know, give a couple more minutes to explain some of the things that we're going to talk about later that left unexplained. I, I think the only reason a person could argue for this scene is to just simply say that it keeps Hera and, and to a lesser degree Chopper front of mind. Yeah. Uh, because they're probably going to figure prominently in the final episode or future seasons. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm expecting there to be some sort of face-off between Thrawn and Hera. Um, and I don't know what that'll look like, but um, if that comes to pass, then we got more Hera. So yeah. yay. So, so let's talk about C-3PO for a second. I have not been on uh, social media, so I haven't seen any, if there is any, blowback or anything like that. But my, the cynic in me um, is totally expecting people to like have just lose their minds because 
you know, God, here's C3PO. Why do we need C3PO? Blah, blah, blah. Because it's just, it was fan service, fan service, fan service. And I will say to everybody listening to this, if your gut reaction the first time you heard that voice and then saw the outline of that droid was to smile and go, oh, then that is the reaction you should go with. Don't let the net nerds bring you down. Because that Brittany and I were sitting there and we heard that voice. We both just, we grinned and we got, you know, it was like we were fan service. Sure. But it made me happy to see C-3PO. And I absolutely loved it that he said he did the Jedi mind trick. He said, I don't need to show you my identification. That was just like, you know, and, and it was just in the background. But anyway, I don't know. What do you guys think of the C-3PO? Um, it's an ingenious way to keep Leia in the story. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> smart way to do that because you can't really do that without digital weird effects that annoy people. Uh, so, yeah, have her off screen. And it didn't make sense for her to be there anyway. Of course, it, it, this is a good way to to deutilize that character and keep her spirit alive in this universe. And so, yeah, it's very clever in that way. Did you and, like yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I like seeing him again. I'm like, yay, okay, cool. You know, and that was the reaction that it engendered in me. So, yes, I for me, it worked. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a nice little jolt of, oh, that, you know, you're so attached to these characters. You love these characters. You grew up with them. So just getting them a little bit here, a little bit there, it always feels like a good thing. Like, no, we don't need to see, like, Thrupia doesn't need to be at the heart of the story because this isn't, the fact that he's still with Leia, helping her, helping around, that in some ways he's like, this, you know, like an extension of Leia's presence throughout the New Republic kind of says a lot about how much he's been with her all throughout all this journey. So I love that. And just, just the fact that you get to see him, that it's, you know, I was like, was that really Anthony Daniels? Because, you know, part of me is still thinking that he had retired and, you know, that he wasn't doing the character anymore. But no, it's like seeing his name on the credits. I'm like, cool, that is awesome. I'm like, if you're going to do this, this is a great way of doing this. The last thing I'll say about this scene and the reason why to keep it in, Dave, is uh, the whole Senator Ziono thing. Um, to keep him front of mind because I think he's going to be an antagonist. If there is a season two, he's going to be an antagonist. There's going to be more politics because, you know, the, the new, the, I mean, the first order is going to come around, you know, there's going to be all the, you know, it's kind of like Voldemort's back. No, he's not. There's, and he's going to be the, you know, ignorant, you know, blind baddie on, you know, in the government. So, um, but let's now, then we cut to Ahsoka training in her ship and we've got, um, like Anakin Tybo videos, which, uh, I thought was kind of cool. And that's, and you know, that was a, again, a great way to use Anakin without just having a force ghost running around, you know, as much as I would love to see an Anakin force ghost. And I, I still have another episode that, that still might happen. Um, I thought this was really pretty cool, especially with, um, at the end of it, Ahsoka saying he was such a good master and recognizing, like we said before, it was like, okay, yes, what he became, you know, is one thing, but what he was, was up to that was a great teacher. 
I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of the, uh, and we've seen a little bit of his training videos and rebels and stuff like that, but what'd you, what'd you think? Yeah. 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 Like, no, it was actually quite good. I mean, we know that these videos, uh, these hollow videos exist because we, again, we saw them in rebels. Astro was watch, you know, Ahsoka is watching them and Astro says that he uses them all the time and he's wowed by, uh, uh, Anakin's techniques and abilities to teach. So I love that in that moment, having come through the personal journey that she went through and recognizing that, okay, maybe she needed to kind of uh, get a little bit of guidance in that moment and how to, you know, be a Jedi warrior at that moment. She goes back to those holotapes and finds uh, Anakin and it's like, this is the last lesson. Yes, I did get the same jolt that everybody does when he mentions about coming face to face with General Grievous, Asajj Ventress and Count Dooku. It's like, okay, yay. Again, further connecting this story to the ones we've seen before. It was just, it's a good little moment. And it's, uh, what I like is it's an ingenious way of bringing this character into this moment without him needing to be there. Like, like we know that this is a video. We know that this is a recording. This isn't the Force Ghost. And he's not emerging from the nether realm of the Force. He's just, you know, he's, it's still, it's the idea of Anakin before everything went to crap. I like that. I talked about this episode not really working for me on first viewing, um, and and I had to sort of sit down and think about why, and I had to think about like, well, what does it do correctly, and where are we going, and why are the choices being made that we're seeing on screen, and um, I eventually come to, I, I eventually came around to something, and I and I, we'll get to that, but um, this is a part of that. Um, this this scene, her connection with Anakin, it it informs who she is as a person right now, um, and and I think that's turned from maybe a little bit of a negative for her into more of a positive now. Um, over the course of the last couple of episodes, I think this has evolved, and she has evolved, and she's in a she's in a better place now spiritually uh, yeah hands down hands down um and and i love hey hayden is knocking it out of the park by the way again because mm-hmm. i love he's like practice you know, he's being all teacher like you know practice these forms as much as i you know it practice these forms all the time or something then he just stops and, goes, and, and at least more than i do you know it's like that little vulnerability and just his that whimsical side uh, it was good um so they the the pergle because i will not say space whales um saying it all throughout the dang episode the episode see now you can't unhear it right I said it a lot yeah. yes mm-hmm. um, and since they can say space wheels uh, space whales i'm going to call the little guys the um the the crab turtle people um but anyway um the Purgle come out of hyperspace into a uh, like just a huge minefield, um, and you know it's on because uh, Thrawn said as he said if you if you see a Purgle come out of uh, hyperspace you know get rid of it, and the, the Purgle are like peace out and they jump into hyperspace again, <laughs> so they ain't dumb, um, but you know chase ensues and I I actually dig. Because it gets into, Fredo, what you put in here, Thrawn's plan for dealing with Ahsoka. Um, you know, the 
Morgan Elsbeth shows him everything that the inquisitorial uh, inquisitorious or whatever had the inquisitors had on uh, Ahsoka. He finds out that her master was Anakin Skywalker. And so he starts developing a plan on the fly for how to deal with her. And it's interesting because Morgan is like, with every decision he makes, she's like, what are you doing? And Captain Enoch is like, right on. Okay. Gotcha. We'll do Roger, Roger. I mean, he's just doing it all. Um, I loved all this sequence because it did show, I think Fredo, you mentioned it last week, maybe, or maybe I dreamt it, but we're finally seeing Thrawn as the tactician that everybody says he is. No, no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good way. I mean, again, he's been told who's coming kind of guess how they're doing it. And so he sets about laying a trap and then he's like, okay, how do we find her? Oh, we can't, you know, we can't pinpoint her turns to the night sisters to the, the great mothers to use their magic to pinpoint where she is. And, you know, it's an interest. This is part of what makes Thrawn such an elegant character in the story is that his tactician or his skill level at that, okay, how am I going to beat you? Like you're coming this way. I'm going to find ways to stop you or uh, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? You know, he's, he's thinking long games. He's a chess player. And a lot of times in a lot of uh, action movies, it's just, it's people who just think the next movie. He thinks, you know, the old Hannibal Smith line, it's, uh, you know, I love it when a plane comes together. That's him. And and Dave, because you've read the Thrawn books, am I, am I right in my understanding that Thrawn isn't necessarily inherently evil? He's just on, he's, he's just methodical and good at what he does. And he just happens to be on the side that we're not on. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, about that is that he's, um, he doesn't have any sort of, uh, hesitation when it comes to doing what needs to be done. Um, so that comes off as being, uh, very cold, uh, in terms of like, the outcomes of, of, of some of his actions but um you know it's very much uh he's coming at it from a position of there will be less bloodshed and there will be better um more order in the galaxy if everyone went along with what the emperor wanted like that's his whole take on things and and so um it, it would be interesting to sort of like sit him down in an interview setting like 60 minutes and just sort of pick his brain and like now that pal now that old sheev is gone you know like are you still dedicated to the cause and why you know um though i guess he's technically not gone now because that's been retconned in but um uh, yeah no it's, we'll talk about that in a minute yeah that was funny. it's kind of interesting though like because again less bloodshed okay well, now we're in peacetime. I mean, technically, um, Emperor, the, the Empire lost. And so now shouldn't he be more dedicated to preserving this entity? But but he, I, doesn't, I, he doesn't necessarily know. I mean, well, Ezra yeah. just finds out that, you know, okay, you know, the Empire has been beaten and everything. He's, I mean, Thrawn's been at club med for as long as Ezra has. So, you know, without, without cell service. So, I mean, 
I, I also suspect he would see them as being non-viable. Um, and, you know, they're, they're doomed. Um, and again, I, I don't know that I disagree with that notion. The other, the other kind of thing to consider is at this point in the story, all the power that he has is drawn from the Legion of Stormtroopers, Death Troopers, sorry, that he has the fanatical really following him and the alliance he's made with the Night Sisters. So, and it's Imperial remnants like Morgan Elspeth come to get him. So in other words, if you could tell him, hey, you, you know, you can go to the New Republic now and it'd be completely different. He might tell you, look, the New Republic's not getting me out of the spot I'm in. I'm in this spot right now and I want to get the heck up out of here. And if it's the Empire or what's left of the Empire coming to get me and the price of that, like, I then I have to lead them back into glory. Well, them's the breaks. I'm doing, I'm doing what I need to do to get, get out. So then, okay, so we'll keep moving forward here. Um, Balin and Shin break up. They break up the band. Um, it was it was an interesting thing there. He said um, he said your what was the line um, about her quest for power, right? I can't remember her her you know, her drive or something. Anyway, yeah, she had a drive for power, and he had a drive for, for something for something greater else or something. That we don't different. know what the heck it is. Yeah. That's the thing that's annoying is that take a minute and a half of this scene to give us at least a little bit more because all the while, ever since like we talked about ever since he found out that it was pretty, he was like, Oh, okay. And he's always been speaking like vague and, and it's not his fault. That's the way he's written. It's like, to me, it's like with each line that he has about whatever this is that he's after, there should be a little bit more, given to us but it's not well and then this this kind of gets to the point that i was saying about needing another episode it feels like at this point we should know what exactly it's kind of is after or what what the power is that he feels he's connecting with and peridia and we still don't and we get two good moments where that information could have been shared, hinted explored one of them is right here and the other one is is due later on down the line, uh, where you could have said, okay, you know, he could have explored the idea of, okay, I'm not your enemy, I'm not a circus enemy, or as he tells Shin, look, go go with the lead the troopers, kill or lead the bandits, kill Bridger and Sabine. The Empire will take you on, you will be showered with praise and power and authority, and you'll get everything you want. Everything you want's down there, you just gotta kill those two. And uh, but it's not me. But they pass both of those opportunities to kind of explore deeper into what he's searching, which makes See, me wonder and, why the heck that. And they they could have dropped they could have dropped a little bit because you know his line earlier mm-hmm. in the season of you know those are all fairy tales that we were told in the Jedi Temple, and mm-hmm. then have Hu Yang if he's talking. I have all these stories. Talk about a story. Drop a little something there. Like there's this powerful thing on peridia or whatever you know and go oh maybe that's what balan is going they could have dropped they could have dropped that there mm-hmm. um but his could part- have dropped it into the story that he was telling ahsoka that you know tell me the there. story that i want to hear you know right and, and, um but that the, could have been the story the parting line from from balan to shin though was he said shin one last lesson he said um 
what is something like the the rush to victory um, guarantees defeat. Yeah, and that was interesting. That was interesting, and I, the, but I don't know if we got a payoff on that one. It you know it was you know I think we did in that she didn't like get her find herself getting offed at the end of this episode because she was hopelessly outnumbered and she showed patience there but uh yeah yeah so i don't know that like i said it's um the split with balin and and shin had to happen you could see it coming shin seemed to be getting kind of disillusioned um or and i've read something it's like he never even let her in on what the plan was it's always just been like, you know, yes, master. Okay. I'll do whatever you say, you know, and just giving her enough to get by the next hour. Um, so anyway, it's. Which, but, but that's kind of what we've grown, grown accustomed to within these uh, dark four years, which cannot call it Sith, master and apprentice relationship where the master has all the knowledge, has all the information as a plan. And they just give just enough to the apprentice so they can accomplish whatever tax the center sent them out to do and so they never know where the where the issue is going to be yeah, but at the same time you're oh this this kind of split while it was hinted it also felt kind of sudden like like everybody like i'm like i'm doing the same look she's going like wait are you for real and we still don't know why they turn bad anyway you know it's like mm-hmm. so that is my fear okay i'm gonna pause for a second this is part of my rant again disney plus thing we got one more episode and they're, they're either they're, first of all i don't think that this series i said it a couple of weeks ago this is not going to be um just like you know beep it beep that's all folks and everybody's going to feel good and it's going to be you know this is going to be an empire strikes back ending you know it's there's we got a continuation coming but there's just so many questions that, are, that have not i mean that they've they fed into this whole series and it's either going to be not answered which okay i'll live with that if i if i know another season or another something that's coming that will answer that question or they're going to hurry up and that's what i hope doesn't happen um but um so as they have their little breakup then we cut to ezra and sabine um and the uh turtle crab people um who i've fallen in love with those guys in you know one episode I think they're adorable. Um, but uh, here's another thing that hasn't been paid off. Can you believe they've, you know, feasibly been driving around for, a, you know, a day. If if you had been stranded on an island for 10 years and somebody came to rescue you and you had all these questions and they said, I don't want to answer that right now. Wouldn't you like punch them square in the face? I mean, that's just the thing that's just been driving me nuts. It's like, I can't believe that they're, we're still not giving a little bit of nugget to Ezra about what's going on. Now, at least he knows that the Empire fell. And then he said, and, and the Emperor's dead. And I love Dave. That's what you said, the, the line of, well, that's what people think. <laughs> Somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. I mean, that was the the, the only acknowledgement you know the tongue-in-cheek acknowledgement that yeah we're bringing him back but um so that was a cute line i'm frustrated that she can't 
Tupac speak the truth to him. Um, and this is going to touch on a topic that Fredo asked us um, in the lesson plan about like who's being the best Jedi or who's the best example of a Jedi. We got a lot of choices here. Everybody's sort of handling things from a different perspective and a different mindset and their actions are um, sort of defining who they are. And yet none of them resemble one another in any way, shape or form. And right here you see Sabine coming up really, really, really short, I think. Um, in some respects, I like the fact that she's so single mindedly trying to protect. Um, this is I'm going to protect. It's centered on her friend. So you could talk about it being selfish. Um, but I'm going to protect. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm here to rescue I, my friend. I, I think she's not saying anything because she is wholeheartedly embarrassed and knows that she's mm -hmm. screwed up in so many ways. She's come, mm -hmm. she's found Ezra, but doesn't have a way home. She doesn't know Ahsoka's coming. Um, I will say, me being the anti-shipper, the, the way that they played out this scene was a little flirtatious upon second viewing i mean it was that awkward you know they're not teenagers but that awkward you know we're just getting to know each other type of moments where there's you know so if it went that way i see the seeds being sown you know obviously ezra dug sabine from the get-go and then it kind of shifted and but like i said there's there there seemed to be a little flirtation between the two of them especially when you know the whole you know ahsoka took me on as a her apprentice I, and that by the way perfectly played as ezra saying really why what oh wait i mean yeah that's good <laughs> congratulations oh, yeah. i mean played perfectly like ezra that was just so great i mean this this episode was uh is meant to find and find these uh showing that he got the character of ezra to his team. voice is perfect too his voice, his mannerisms—I mean, you could totally feel that this is a uh, Ezra to grown up. So I, thought, I think he nailed—he nailed that. He nailed the performance and nailed the characters. And, but yeah, it's—it's it's an interesting question regarding what the heck Sabine. You know, how much? How long will Sabine keep that? Would have kept that secret about not having a way to get him back home from Ezra. You know, if Ahsoka hadn't turned up, would we know? Would she have tried to go for another day, another week, another month? Well, and no. this should be Saint Ezra because, I mean, let's fast forward when all of a sudden Ahsoka shows up and Sabine says, Host Ahsoka, I thought you were dead. And he said, you thought she was dead? And he kind of played it off like, well, that's really mm -hmm. interesting that you thought she was dead. It's like, I would have been like, we've been riding around in the little crap people's car for like eight hours. Why didn't you tell me what happened to Ahsoka? You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. you've been stranded for 10 years. It's not like you've been you went on vacation or something like that. It's like and then your best friend shows up and is, you know, hosing you out of information. I don't know. It's just that it, that's but anyway, maybe he is the same. No. So no, but but also to, to your point about them kind of having that innocent or not so innocent, you know, kind of neat, cute moments. You can kind of tell that there's some dynamic kind of being built there, but also it could go in a number of ways. What I like about it is that it's 
old friends reconnecting. It's two young people not grown up meeting up with one another again. So the dynamic has shifted. It's a different, you know, they're not talking to one another. I mean, yes, they're in a world full of death being hunted down, but it's a different dynamic from them from when they were being hunted down on the fall by the empire. There you get the sense that life could end any moment. Here you get the sense that, okay, we're kind of going along, we know. But plus it helps that the nice turtle crab people, they're very nice and comfortable. They gave him his own uh, hoopty to ride and drive around, you know. They get 100,000 miles to the gallon, even though you only go 10 miles an hour. So, you know, so he's got plenty of time to kind of sit back, relax, and kind of build a relationship with him. So, uh, and by the way, I love the Western feel to this when the when the troopers or the bandits come in, um, and we actually we literally circle the wagons and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, lo- I love that it was well done. Um, I like the little crab turtle people throwing rocks and using slingshots. Um, it kind of, you know, again, Britt said it last week. It's like, oh, they got Ewoks here too. You know, I mean, it was a similar type of a deal. Um, but what do we, okay. So when, when, you know, they decide it's time to fight Ezra and Fredo put this in our notes, Ezra turns down his lightsaber. Um, Sabine says here, take your lightsaber and, you know, do your, do your stuff. He's like, Nope, no, take it. And they, they fight back and forth. He's like, Nope, it's yours. I gave it to you. Um, clearly did not want it. I don't know, Dave, what'd you, what'd you think? What'd you make of this interaction? Yeah, I took the same thing away from that, which is simply that he didn't want it. Um, And is that a rejection of the Jedi path? Is it a rejection of violence? Um, I don't know. We don't really know yet. Um, But it is an interesting place for him to be in. Um, For a guy that's been stranded for so long, you see you you read certain changes in him at this point that like maybe he's a less violent person. Maybe he's a calmer, wiser individual. Um, Uses the force for knowledge and defense. Exactly. But, but by the same token, he's still obsessed with getting home. Like, uh, which I get it. Lothal's your home and there's probably still a lot there for you as an individual. Um, and you know now that Sabine's here, you you have a friend back. But it's an interesting place that he's in. Um, he, he's clearly sh- shifted in some respects, and and hasn't shifted quite so much in others. You know, and the thing that's also kind of interesting they um, so he's he turns down the lightsaber. Nope, don't want it. Don't want it. Don't want it. And. And maybe it was strictly out of survival, but he certainly had no problem then grabbing a blaster and going to town when, you know, when need be. Yeah. Um, so, may, like I said, maybe it was survival, but um, like I said, maybe it is one of those things where it's like you're talking about the Jedi way. Um, you know, I also got to thinking it's uh, he's had 10 years without his lightsaber. So to see him, you know, force pushing and doing all this stuff. Um, I would not, I would not, uh, bet against the fact that he is a lot more knowledgeable in the force because what else are you going to do? It's like during the pandemic, 
I taught myself guitar because I didn't have anything else to do. You know, it's like, I'll sit and figure this out, you know? So when you're, when you, when you find yourself with that time, you know, what do you do with it? And it also made me think of cheer it, you know, from rogue one, um, in that we, we think that a Jedi has to have a lightsaber. So, um, yeah, maybe Chirrut was as much of a Jedi as anybody. Oh, uh, Fredo, what do you what do you think about the the lightsaber uh, hot potato? At first, I was like, okay, he's turning it down because he hasn't used it in over a decade and feels that you know it'd be better in Sabine's hand. Or is he thinking, no, no, Sabine needs it more than I do? Like, 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 look, these are the bad guys. I know better than she. She, she she's got some training as she told me so she'll be able to be better protected with this like he's looking out for his friend what was interesting is the way that he was using the force in many ways called back to vader's duel with um what's her name now <laughs> yeah i just dropped uh, uh the inquisitor's name off my head oh yeah from obi-wan um, um yeah exactly like the way that he used the force to blood to just stop Shin's lightsaber swing right, right in the middle of it and just push it back like that's Vader. Now, what's interesting is that's a life side thing. That's a move, you know, your protection and defense. Not Reva. attacking. I'm not attacking you, Reva. But it was yeah, Reva. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Can't believe I forgot. But but it's that idea. It's the idea of maybe he's connected stronger with the force, and I feels that maybe the lightsaber will just slow him down. Maybe. Also, uh, you know, thinking about next week's episode, is this something that maybe he thinks he doesn't need it and then he gets to a position where he doesn't have it and that's why he doesn't make it home? You know, See, it creates an interesting question there, but it's an interesting one. These are the things that, like, when we sit here and we say, oh, I don't know if they have enough time next episode, it's like this kind of thing. A hundred percent, because I think back to Rise of Skywalker and like the the example of Finn saying, "I got something I got to tell you," and then drop it completely, and they never tell us. And this is kind of in that same vein. There's a motivation behind him turning it down. Whether it like I like what. I like your theory. Like maybe he thought she could use it or it would help her protect herself more so than he needs it. He does he knows he doesn't need it. Um and he has still strong feelings for her. I like that theory as much as any, but I would like to have confirmation uh of some kind one way or the other. Let's go to um instance number 1721 of where Aaron was wrong and missed the mark uh there was no green smoke coming out of the uh the stormtroopers so they just must be stormtroopers with got bored and it's like hey let's wrap red cloth around our armor to look bad you know um so like i said that was that was interesting and that still makes me wonder here's let's add to the questions then what up with merrick you know why why did we have that you know weird reveal and you know we all kind of thought we all meaning the three of us and like everybody else who does a star wars podcast it's like well everybody kind of was on the same train of thought of there was like okay these must be you know 
night sister controlled whatevers and all the stormtroopers just fell over like stormtroopers um so what would have been yeah so anyway i don't know that's just we're wrong i guess <laughs> well but but it's an interesting question because then it kind of makes their fanaticism towards thrawn both make more sense but also kind of a bit scarier because then that means that they attribute their continuous survival to Thrawn putting them in a path to make sure that they're always surviving. And what we've seen from Thrawn is that, look, I'm okay with losing a certain number of y'all as long as I achieve my goal. He flat out states that in this episode. So if you're one of his troopers, don't think he, you're, you know, you know that, that your lord and savior, Grand Admiral Blue, uh, Blue Skin there is going to be the one who's going to be uh, getting you home if he feels like he doesn't need to. I don't want to rule it out that um, they're still sort of mystically aligned in some way because um, when I was watching it with the subtitles on, it did not label them as stormtroopers. They're death troopers, yeah. It labeled them as death troopers. Are they death troopers? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they're called. Yeah. What they they called the... uh, What were the... The stormtroopers in uh, Rogue One. Those were death troopers, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they're also death troopers. Yeah, the, the the ones that were following up. What's his face? Krennic. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Krennic, yeah. If th- that's kind of sloppy, if they're calling by the same thing, I don't know. Um, but no, Dave, I'm I'm kind of with you. There still might be something. I was. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it maybe it's a mind control thing because when Thrawn sounded the alarm, um, it was like, you know, the three o'clock bell rang at school and they were out the door and, you know, peace out by and left Shin to herself. So it may be a mind control, you know, deal and not a reanimation deal. Um, so, um, and speaking of Shin... So yeah, everybody everybody ditches her, and uh, Ahsoka says, "Let me help you." And then she just she takes off. Um, I think that uh, that opens the door to uh, her joining our crew later. Um, but where do you think she's going? You know, is she hightailing it back to the Star Destroyer too? Is she going to be abandoned? What What do you think is going to happen with with Shin? I think she's going to hightail it back to the uh, um, Star Destroyer and hitch a ride back to her galaxy. I think like that's where her motivation is right now. She's talking about the acquisition of power. She thinks that Thrawn can get her that. Um, that's that's her defining characteristic at this point. See, and I think, I think she wants belonging and I don't, mm-hmm. I think, you know, with, she got that with Balin. Um, and I think it's, you know, he, then he kind of pushes her that you'll basically, you'll find belonging in the empire. Um, but is there something, you know, will she see a, a place in, like I said, with, with Ahsoka and Sabine and, and Ezra. I don't know. Um, I, I think she's a very lost uh, person. 
I mean, I think it, it, it creates an interesting dynamic within her, much in the same way as Riva at the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi, where she had been taught in a certain way, had been raised in a certain way, or, or led to believe in a certain thing. And by the end of the story, she's left with an entire galaxy capable you know, uh, of destinations to go, but no real sense of what it is she wants to do. And I think so. I think she's going back to um, to the Star Destroyer because if nothing else, she's going to be the one to say, no, Lord Balin went his own way. He's no longer helping us because they made a good point of bringing it back that Throne kept asking, where is Lord Balin? And when, when he pulls back his troopers and says, oh, it's an acceptable loss considering that Lord Balin wasn't there. So I'm making a point that he's he's counting on this guy, even though he was last episode, it's like, oh, look, if we lose the mercenaries, it's not a big deal. But it's still a piece on his chessboard. And he's like, where did that go? What happened to it? So it's, well, he needs to find out that Balin's no longer necessarily on his side. Now, does that necessarily mean that he'll be okay with shitting? being there with them, that creates its own dynamic. Because you're right, I do think there's a certain sense of belonging that she's after. And neither Thrawn nor Morgan Elspeth, I'm looking at her like somebody that's on their crew. Not the way that the folks in the, you know, with Ahsoka think of themselves as family or a crew. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was... These are, the, yeah, these are all fair points. Uh, I, I don't know if it will unfold quickly, would be the thing I would say. The thing, and so the thing that I think about is like we got Shin, we got Balin, we got Ezra, we got Ahsoka, we got Sabine. Suddenly, we got a whole heck of a lot of Jedi, and Yoda's all heck of a lot wrong. Of uh, the last of the Jedi, will you be? I mean, there's that's what's, and then by the time we get to you know Episode Seven, the Jedi are a fable. So there's, I mean, just in the long-term storytelling, there's some interesting things that have to happen. Um, and that's, so anyway, we can, we can make some predictions later. Um, yeah, okay, other questions. Thrawn's cargo, that, that, that we could have gotten a little bit of a hint of what that is. I mean, again, this whole thing, he was playing this whole battle out today for just to buy time so they can load up, you know, the camper so they can, you know, head on out. Um, but we're not told what's in the boxes. We don't have any idea, any hint. I think that was another kind of fail. You know, they just reminded us that there's this cargo. I don't know. So I don't know if we can speculate. No. We already, we've already speculated. But, I mean, that that's just one of those questions that's going to have to maybe be answered. I don't know if I – I can't say it's got to be answered next week because – They made a big deal out of it. Yeah, no. Uh, the the theory that I heard online today, and I forget which podcast was saying it, uh, they were saying, we kept thinking maybe it's the remains of his former troopers, but could it be that it's the remains of the Night Sisters? Well, I've heard that one, yeah, as well. Yeah, and it's, like, and it's like, okay, are they, yeah, like, are they trying to get back to Dathomir to then use their magic to bring back their entire order so to speak well here's another here's another question that hasn't it kind of tangent tangential to this um why are the queen or the the night mothers or who the, the, the great are, mothers yeah the great mother why are they so like yes sir no sir absolutely we are at your service sir to grand admiral thrawn 
Why? You know, what's what's their deal? We don't have an inkling of that either. Huh? I don't know, Dave. And, uh, <laughs> is that... Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Um, there's maybe this is where I go on a rant or like a little spiel. Go if for you it. guys are okay with it. Go um, so we're thinking about what's this show about? Um, in a literal sense, I think it's about this story of Ahsoka and Sabine traveling to another galaxy to rescue their friend and they're risking getting stranded in the process, right? That's very straightforward. Um, but in a granular view of things, you could actually say it's more about a group of characters who are defying conventional wisdom and like what we might expect for them given their station. There's this long list of force users that we have who don't fall under tidy labels. Um, they don't do things the way that the Jedi or the Sith uh, typically have done things. They're not affiliated with either order. They walk to their own drumbeat, right? Um, you have this Imperial Admiral who looks different, has been stranded in another galaxy for a decade. He might be a little kooky from, from that. We don't know, but, but it's possible. Um, but he le leans into these sorts of unconventional, unusual tactics to defeat his opponents. And now we think he's trying to command some sort of army of the dead, whatever that looks like, whether it's his troopers, whether it's night sisters, whatever it is, he's off, you know, he's not your typical Imperial stooge. Uh, you've got the night sister who doesn't look or talk or speak or act like her brethren at all. Some of that may just be she wasn't around it most of her life. That's fine, but she just doesn't seem to fit in. And speaking of them, as you just pointed out, why are they so quick to concede all authority when that flies in the pr previous knowledge that we've gained about the Night Sisters at large to this point? That makes like little sense to me, but it tells me that there's an agenda or there's some kind of control being levied. You know, there's 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 a reason for it, right? It makes them again, it makes them weird, it makes them different. Um, and then, of course, the setting itself. You're in this entirely different galaxy we've never been before with secrets we've yet to uncover. Uh, with Balin's whole shtick, we don't know where he's up to. I think all of these sorts of creative choices, they lend themselves to... Um, they add color and intrigue. But I think, it, like, for me, I'm like, I've been just sitting here, like, wrestling with it. Like, what does it mean in a, in, for, like, a larger theme? And I think like the one thing that I just keep coming back to with that is this idea of control. And it seems like everybody here is trying to control everything around them and trying to create situations that benefit them when um, that may not be the wisest course of action. Um, you got Thrawn trying to control every, literally everything and, and think 12 steps ahead of everybody. And he's got his 
is the idea i'm going to control this galaxy i'm going to return to the galaxy i'm going to control it um the new republic stuff this is where this scene actually begins to be valuable on some level other than like being the useless thing we thought it was um they're trying to control Hera. They're trying to control this scenario and this situation and, and put it in a little box and shove it in the back of the closet because they don't want to deal with it. That's their idea of controlling things, controlling at least at, at minimum the narrative, the things that they want to deal with. They're controlling it in that way. And they're controlling Hera. They're pushing her around. You got Balin um, trying to control forces he doesn't understand. You got Sabine trying to control this narrative with Ezra and, and control the decision to go get him uh, alone. Like she made that call. Um, she doesn't want him to know the truth with what's going on with her. And yet does that, does that fly in the face of everything that we previously have known about the Jedi? Yes. Um, all of this seems ill-fated to me. And I think it's because there's a coming storm in the universe that we know about with the First Order and the, the return of Sheev and all of that stuff. We know where it all heads. Everything is going to become more chaotic as we go along, more Tempest-like. And we've got all these people who are trying to shape what this you know, crazy, perfect storm. They're trying to shape it into something that would benefit them. And I just think that's foolhardy. And, and I think like, this is where we, where I finally come back to it with Ahsoka and why I thought her growth to this point and why it's like, why is this show called Ahsoka? Why are we calling it Ahsoka when all this other stuff is going on? And I, it doesn't, it's another mistitled Star Wars show. But um, no, I, I think like she is growing into the kind of person that can kind of let go and not try to manipulate all of the things around her. She started this show by being flawed in that way, trying to control Sabine, trying to direct Sabine in, in into a, a way that would into a path of action that would make her comfortable. Um, trying to control Thrawn. Like, we're not going to give Thrawn an opportunity to return. We're going to control the situation. But I think, like, her near-death experience and those interactions that she's had with Anakin have put her on a better path because that's where Anakin went wrong. And she sees that. And it's all an illusion. There's There is no real control. The best we can do is... The, we do the best that we can in a given situation that we're presented. And then we just like dust off our hands and, and just let fate take over at some point because you cannot control it all. And it, I, I, I thought of this, this phrase, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, 
because it came to mind with all of these different characters exhibiting different um, archetypes than what we're used to. The Je This is not your typical Jedi. This is not your typical Empire person. Um, there's more than one way to skin a cat. But I'm thinking like the idea of skinning the cat in the first place is not a good one. It's <laughs> a terrible phrase, right? It's like I don't I don't know where that that originally came from, but it, like I, I need to go read the history on this. But it's like, no, don't you know? Like they're all unique, and they're all so convinced of their own not righteousness, but like their own path. It's like, we've got, I've got a way or a thing that I'm dedicated to. And that's the thing that will guide me through this time of craziness. And they, none of them have it right. They're all wrong. And I think like, if we get that kind of payoff in the next episode where everything just goes to crap for basically everybody, I feel like this story will be a will be just a fantastically told one, um, but it, uh, you know, like what's the point? Like what's the point of this show? Like where are we headed? What are we doing? Why are we doing all of this? And I think like I think the idea here, or at least one of them, the one that I've hit on, is this idea of control. And uh, uh, I cede the floor because, like, that was my spiel that I find that I came up with after uh, thinking about it forever, way too long. No, and I think you make a salient point about the nature because was what you're talking. The line that came up to me was Qui Gon saying, "Be mindful of the living force." Meaning, and this kind of gets to the question I bring about who's really being a Jedi. It's you know. The, the whole concept of the story is all these characters are trying to impose their will on things. They're all trying to achieve something. And the reality is, it's the ones that are kind of willing to let go and go with the will of the force that are going to achieve what they're going to get. It's not that it's not as many necessarily be everything they want, but it's going to be the best outcome. Whereas you have the, the great mothers trying to get out of there, Thrawn trying to get out of there, Morgan, who every time, you know, what I find interesting about Morgan's character at this time, is like she's looking at Thrawn's decision making, and it's not until he kind of explains some of his way of thinking that she kind of relaxes. He's like, wait a minute, we just nearly killed, we killed ourselves, wasted all these resources, come get you, and I'm seeing you like be comfortable with losing. What the heck? That's not the image I have. So, same thing kind of with Shin, where maybe she's coming now to look at her relationship with Balin completely different. Because maybe Balin's not who she really thought it was. So at every instance, you have people and characters have to confront what their idea or expectation of the story they were in truly was. And maybe it's the ones that are more willing to kind of see the range of things to the force that are going to be the ones to come out. Kind of like Ahsoka does after she's finally willing to let go of all the guilt that she felt over Anakin's fall. So uh, I'm going to make a suggestion because the next thing in our rundown here was uh, who is being the truest Jedi, Ezra, Balin, or Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. um, I think we should save that for its own separate episode because I've, I would not answer that question because I would have to first, what, what are the mm -hmm. guidelines for being a Jedi? 
That might be a topic for another day. Uh, you no, know, that's uh, so it's it is one of those it is one of those things where I think that's a um, there that's a much more of a deep dive. Um, so maybe let's skip ahead to what, what do we think is going to happen next week. Um, I'll start. Um, obviously, the the Eye of Scion is big enough to be a hyperspace uh, ring for. The Star Destroyer. Um, I think somehow um, our heroes are going to tag along, whether they stow away or whether they, um, you know, when this hyperspace jump takes place, um, you got, uh, they're in the ring as well. Um, But I almost want to put $5 down that Ezra stays on Peridia. Because of, you know, his line says, I think I'm, I think I am going to go home. And it was right after he was like the little crab turtle person was running up to him. I think he's, I mean, he's been there for 10 years and maybe he sees that more of home than, you know, you know, the other galaxy. Um, and I, I think, uh, I mean, there's going to be, I think, I think we're going to start with that jump and there are going to get to the new galaxy and there's going to be a new Republic, um, and Thrawn face off a little bit, or at least a little faction of it. And Thrawn's going to get away and we're going to have it. Like I said, it's, he's going to get away to fight another day and it's going to be the, um, what was it? Harry Potter and the, uh, um, Order the Phoenix when, you know, it's like he's back. No, he's not, you know, type of deal. So anyway, it's going to be setting up another season or the movie. So it's just going to be a, you know, like I said, jump back to the old galaxy, a little bit of a fight out. Yeah, I could see what's interesting. I could see if we're looking to leave Ezra behind, I could see where maybe he chooses to stay behind and stop bailing from unleashing whatever's in that planet. Could be. Because Balin seems, I mean, like I said, his path is elsewhere, and he feels like there's some new beginning there for him. And he may be, you know, he may be trying to awaken something God knows, and maybe Ezra feels like he knows enough of that planet to be able to stop it. And again, it would be kind of the tragic end, but also kind of a, a, on the story element, kind of the proper ending, if you're going to give him an ending. Uh, to his journey, kind of saying, hey, you had a ticket to go home, but no, you chose to stay and stop this guy. And I'm sorry, you're heading down the same path I just went down where it's like, Mm -hmm. my answer should have been, I have no idea what's going to happen next week. Right. Because we were not given any clues in this episode to tell us what's going to happen. I I just, I'm just saying that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't Mm -hmm. make any predictions because they didn't give me anything. And I think that's, that's really, and that's why I said, we feel like we're missing, like we're two episodes away in simply into the finale because we know that this, the stakes, so to speak, are everybody wants to get off this planet. There's only one ride out, and that's through the Eye of Zion. And whether you're on the Star Destroyer, whether you're on the Silka ship, you gotta you gotta connect to that sucker and be on the on the right back because it's a if you miss it, you're stuck kind of thing. Uh, so that's kind of the driving force to what's gonna be. Uh, the main thrust of next week's episode, getting off and getting back to the galaxy. 
I could see where you know we, it, it ends with them them being back and some some other jump going wrong. Who knows? And they end up right above a freaking Coruscant, and then they see Thrawn is back, and like I said, you get that Harry Potter, oh my God, he's back moment from Senator Sonu, and then everybody, and then Harry goes, huh, huh, told you, you know, kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, again, it, it create there's a lot of opportunities there for some of these characters, and we don't know how this story is going to go. But I mean, we don't even know what it's setting up. So I think that's that's where I'll leave it. Dave, do you think anybody dies? Yeah, I think Balin dies, mm-hmm. and um, I, I just uh, I don't think he's courting a thing that he can control or understand. Um, and we may not even get a full picture of what that even looks like. It could be like. You know, like at the end of Indiana Jones with like, you know, colorful ghost looking spirit things, you know, it could be something like that. But um, and then the Nazis faces melt off. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that Balin's got uh, good odds right now. Could be wrong. Uh, could be very wrong. But um, I don't know what's going to happen to heroes my suspicion is that they'll be stranded um i would i'd bet you you know all the money in the world today that thrawn will get back to the galaxy in some way shape or form it's happening because he's being set up as the big bad for the shared universe uh story so um that's going to happen but there is probably going to be a twist in there some kind because i don't think it's enough for him to just come back because everybody is expecting him to make it back we all anybody who's following this stuff at all thinks like yeah he's he's gonna make it um maybe we get the reveal of the cargo um and get a better handle sure. on that yeah you know um That'd be a nice little cliffhanger if it were just, you know, an army of ghosts or night sisters or something. Um, I that that would be that would be my guess is that like it's not going to be enough to just get him back into the galaxy far, far away. He also has to uh, deliver some sort of a surprise or a blow. So. Like I said, my my rant for the Disney Plus shows, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars, is that we always are at this point where it's like you got one episode left and a whole lot of crap to get done, and they don't always hit the mark. Um, I will say one final thought. Um, this series looks so much different and better than the others it looks so cinematic um and i think like i said it'll be interesting i should go back and watch the first couple episodes of uh, the mandalorian where we were just over the moon with you know what they were doing with the vault this looks movie quality like i said it's just that has not ceased to impress me um it's it's interesting except for the fact that i still am ticked off that star wars lasers do not sound like star wars lasers anymore anyway go ahead fredo 
No, I was just going to say Anthony Daniels was being, they had a clip on him on Star Wars, the social media accounts, and they were saying, he was saying that um, he was, he enjoyed working in the volume. And I was like, it was the first moment that I thought, huh, that scene in the in the courtroom where they have the court martial of, uh, or the trial for Hera was, you know, was in the volume. And it never dawned on me that it was in there, which I guess is kind of a sign of how much better they've gotten at using it that maybe from those early, maybe not first season Mandalorian, maybe second season Mandalorian, where it be, kind of became a bit more obvious what was volume and what wasn't. And now this show really doesn't feel like, it hasn't felt for me at all. Like, okay, this is in volume, or this is outdoors or in a set. Dave, final thoughts? Think about... um Think about what I said with, with in regards to Ahsoka's character and how she handles her business in the final episode, because things are going to go sideways for a lot of different characters. How serene, calm, accepting is she going to be in those circumstances? I think she's going to be very much those things, and I think that that's going to serve her character well um, and probably serve as an example to the people around her. Um if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that I, I really think that that's sort of the point. Like, why? What is it? Why are we watching this show? Um, I think that's the point. Well, all right. We'll find out in less than a week what happens. So um, until then, feel free, like I said, to engage us on uh, Twitter. Let your friends know um, uh, about our podcast. That would, you know, if you're digging it, you know, let your other Star Wars nerds know about it. Um, like I said, they can reach out to us when they when they think we're wrong or we're right, whatever. Um, but until next week, we will say who dat. Everybody have a great week. My monkey. <laughs>